Hey, and welcome to Bad Decisions, the podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose, why we think what we think, and how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. We're your hosts. I'm Dan Monheit, co-founder of Hard Hat, a creative agency built for the digital age. And I'm Dr. Mel Weinberg. I'm a performance psychologist. And cue music. Hey, Mel. Yep. You're a psychologist, right? I think so. Like a, like, like a real one, yeah? You do like consultations with people? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, can we... <laughs> what do you think that I don't? Yeah, can we do... You want to check my registration? No, 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 that's good. So, can we, can we do one of them now? Okay. Okay, I'm going to tell you why I'm mad, why I'm raging. Please. So, I mainly hate TV. Like, I mainly don't watch TV. But sometimes things happen, the TV's on, and it just happens to catch my attention. And of all the types of TV that I hate, it's like reality TV and game show TV that drives me the most crazy and leaves me with the least amount of faith in mankind. Yeah, stop right there. This isn't going to work. What do we mean? What? Um, in order for the therapeutic relationship to work, you and I need to have a good rapport, feel like we're on the same page. Uh, I cannot be on the same page with you about this. What, you watch reality TV? Love reality TV. Shows. What I, else is there to watch? Are you a freaking doctor? Isn't it just beneath you? <laughs> no, I, I typically think that when I spend all of my day using my brain, when I come home, I want to watch something that doesn't involve using my brain at all. Oh, so because I don't use my brain during the... Are you suggesting? Just, just okay. saying. All right. Anyway, just go with me on this. <sighs> so anyway, I'm watching uh, Deal or No Deal. Right, which One of my faves. This, this whole show could really be done in 15 seconds. I don't know how they managed to drag this shit out for a full half hour. But what I just do not understand about this show, what was driving me absolutely crazy, is you have these basically losers. Like, I mean, these guys are wearing polyester shirts, right? You have these guys who, if you walked up to them before the show started and said, hey, buddy, how about I just write you a check right now for $10,000? How would you feel about that? Right? They would take it. And these same idiots, just because they're on stage and there's weird metal briefcases and lights and music, are saying no to guarantees of 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand. I just don't understand it. These people are idiots. So it sounds to me, Dan, that the reason that you dislike these sorts of game shows is actually the reason that I really do like them. Right. Which is that they're all actually based on behavioral economic stuff. It's what we do. Right. They make it fun. They gamify it. <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm you not love buying, it now. I'm not buying into this at all. <laughs> Basically what happens on Deal or No Deal, at least in the Australian version, right, which I assume is what you're watching, so you got the chance to win two hundred thousand dollars, right? And that's what comes up in big flashing lights, two hundred thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Your only chance to win. And like what you said, the show's designed in such a way that it introduces pressure, suspense, elements of risk, huge uncertainty, right? Mild nausea for the audience. For some maybe. Yeah. Not enjoyment for others. Yeah. But all that is all in an attempt to push the contestant into making a decision that is emotional rather than rational. Mm-hmm. That's behavioural economics. That's what we do here. So, like, all of a sudden, for the guy you're talking about, winning ten grand seems like you've lost because what they're doing is anchoring it against the grand prize of $200,000. So when you compare it to the reference of two hundred grand, ten grand seems like small change. Okay. You just said anchoring 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 is our heuristic of the episode hey welcome anchoring into the show all right can we have some anchoring theme music cops i'm on a boat bitch we drinking santana champ because it's so crisp i got my swim trucks and my flipping floppies i'm flipping burgers you at kinko straight flipping cabin 
That's much better, cops. Thank you. Anchoring is the tendency for us to place disproportionate value on the first piece of information we're given when we're making decisions. So basically, whatever it is that we hear first, we use that as a reference point against which future information is considered. So anything that we hear after that doesn't get thought of independently of whatever comes before it. It's all based on whatever we've heard so far. Okay. So in this deal or no deal thing, they don't tell you that you could win $0. They come out and say you could win $200,000. Exactly. Because they don't want to anchor the $10,000 against the $0. They're anchoring the 10000 relative to the two hundred grand. So all of a sudden, if you're getting $10,000, you don't think you're getting a very good deal at all. And you might be inclined to say no, no deal. deal. See, I'm with you now. So I guess we, I mean, we don't really, you know, in ad line, we don't really talk about anchoring, but I mean, this does does make me think of two other techniques that people speak about. One is the age-old lowballing technique, where you know if somebody's trying to sell you something, the first thing you do is give them a you know offensively low price. So somebody comes up to you and tries to sell you their car, twenty thousand dollar car, and you go, well, a, well, if you throw them the tires, I'll maybe give you ten grand for it, mm-hmm. you know. And then you've basically anchored them at ten grand, and and anything is, is assessed as relative to that. Or there's the opposite of it, which is I guess what we refer to as the door in the face technique. What's that? So the door in the face technique, I guess, if you probably comes from uh, the time of door-to-door salespeople. And it's the idea that when you give the first price to somebody, you make it so eye-wateringly high that the person that you're trying to sell to basically slams the door in your face, tells you to piss off. But you've now set an anchor that these steak knives are going to cost $180. And when you end up selling them for 120 or whatever it is, um, the person buying thinks they've actually got a really good deal. You know what I've just realised? What's that? Not only do we work in different industries, but our industries actually have their own different languages. It's amazing that we communicate at the level that we do. Oh, you know, I think... think I say anchoring, you say door in the the face. face. And we're all talking about the same thing. Potato, potato. It's also making me think of all the times that I've actually been ripped off (laughs) (laughs) as a consumer. (laughs) Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes I go into situations and I really have no idea how much things cost. And I feel like this might have happened to me recently with a purchase of a barbecue that I bought. Ah, Hot dogs at Mel's, yeah. but that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted something simple. Yeah. I, mean, I think barbecues are a great category for looking at these types of things because a barbecue is a thing that most people only buy once every – like when, when was your last barbecue purchase? I'm 34. That was my first. First barbecue purchase. So once every 34 years. So you walk into it basically susceptible to every type of behavioural economics heuristic possible because you have no idea what you're doing. And I'm blonde. And you're blonde. Adds a whole other element. Does it? To oh, the sales okay. process. Maybe yeah. we'll get a barbecue salesperson on next next episode <laughs> and see if there's any truth in that. Okay, so you're going to go buy a barbecue and what happened? I walk in and there's a whole bunch of barbecues there. And what's the first one that I see? Like the biggest, shiniest barbecue that's out on display? Like the beef eater 12,000? for a barbecue. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm not making barbecues for a whole family, right? You don't strike me as a $5,000 barbecue buyer. Do I look like the sort of person who would spend $5,000 on a barbecue? No, I'm going to be real here. No, you do not. I basically said, no, thank you. Not interested. Did not want to spend that amount of money. See you later. I'm out. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I did buy a barbecue. You did buy a barbecue, so you didn't. So you see you later. I'm out. It was like I'm out of this aisle and going into the next aisle where I will purchase a barbecue for how much? I feel like I slammed the door in the guy's face. Yes, but I don't think it hit him. Okay. Well, how, what did you end up buying? Well, since you asked, yeah, I paid 
$699. What are you doing? But I got I got a trolley what? and I got a barbecue cover thrown in. Oh, you got a cover thrown in. That's got to be worth at least four bucks on eBay. You spent $700 on what? a barbecue. Why do I feel like you're taking a piss? What's your cost per use going to be? How many steaks are you going to cook on that, Mel? Sorry, Dr. Mel. <laughs> okay, let's be real though. If I told you at the start of the day that you were going to go and spend $700 on a barbecue, but you would get a free trolley and cover with it, you reckon you would have been cool with that? Making me feel silly. <laughs> Not silly, but let me tell you something. Girl, <laughs> you got anchored. You got anchored bad. This is why I need you. <laughs> you got anchored bad. Oh, God. What? So, I... Okay. But, hey, it happened to the best of us. At least, at least they didn't put the barbecue in a bag that you then carried around, which told everybody you got anchored badly. <laughs> wearing it on no, my forehead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because apparently this happens like in some markets overseas, like, you know, you're traveling in Asia and uh, particularly I heard about this happening in Thailand where you go to a market and you bargain hard in there. So this is a complete side note, by the way, but you go and bargain and for whatever headphones or whatever it is you're buying, you eventually get to a price, you give them the money, they put the thing you've bought, whatever it is, headphones, DVD, I don't know, people still buy DVDs, I don't know, into a bag. But apparently, there's different bags that mean different things. So it's like if it's in a, I don't know, black bag, it means that you're a really hard negotiator. If they put it in a white bag, it's like you're a really bad negotiator. And if they put it in a black and white stripy bag, it might mean you're somewhere in the middle. So you're basically walking around the market oh with, a, with a sign telling every other vendor how they're meant to anchor you. They've got like some secret yeah, language no, that, going on no, as well. No, it's not even that secret. You're literally like walking around with a flashing sign that says, can't negotiate for shit, start high. <laughs> this person's an idiot. Charge yeah. them as much as you want. See, so we're all susceptible. It happens. Wow. Anyway, that may or may not be true, but if it is true, it's a great story. And if it's not, it's still a great story it's just not true another place where we see anchoring come to life is on wine menus i i feel like honestly we could do like a whole episode just on wine menus and restaurant menus we do a lot of restaurant examples but on, on wine menus normally the highest volume selling wine on a wine menu is the second most expensive wine because customers will look at the list they'll see the most expensive they will get anchored to that they're like i'm not crazy i'm not mel buying a five thousand dollar barbecue I'm going to be a little bit more reserved. Oh, don't be sad. I'm going to be a little bit more reserved and I'm going to buy the second most expensive bottle of wine. And a lot of restaurants knowing this will therefore make their second most expensive wine on the menu the wine that they make the best margin on. Sneaky, sneaky. So the thing about this and the interesting thing about about anchoring is that the research has shown that the anchor value doesn't even have to have anything at all to do with the product. So we talked at the start about deal or no deal and we're talking in terms of currency, right? Yeah. And we've talked with the barbecues as well. But what the research shows, cue music. I think we're getting overproduced. <laughs> Has this show jumped the shark? The research shows that the anchor value doesn't even have to have anything to, to do with the product. So, for example, Tversky and Kahneman, it's oh, as if we've just read like one guys. paper by Tversky and Kahneman and we're just citing it, but this one does come from their popular piece in science um, from 1974. Oh, I read that cover to cover. It hasn't everyone. Um, and what they did was they had participants watch a spin of a roulette wheel and it was rigged to either stop at number 10 or number 65. So it wasn't like your standard roulette game, 0 to 36 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's weird. You wouldn't want to be betting on it. Wheels rigged, so you're either going to land at number 10 or number 65. And what they then did was they asked people to guess the percentage of United Nation countries 
that were African countries. And who doesn't know that? I mean, look, okay, nobody has any idea. But what happened was, so for people who saw the wheel, sorry to our African listeners, <laughs> I'm gonna take it upon myself to know the answer to this by next episode. For people who saw the wheel land on number ten, their estimates were about twenty five percent on average, uh-huh. right? But for people who saw the wheel land on 65, their guesses were about 45%. (laughs) This makes no sense at all. (laughs) It's like we get primed to think in reference to the latest number that we heard. Even if the number has absolutely nothing to do with the question. That's what the research shows. It's like we're so stupid. We're so clueless. We're like in a new situation and we literally have no idea what the answer is. We're like, brain, what's the percentage of African countries in the United Nations? My brain's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, well, the answer should be a number. Are there any other numbers you can tell me? And it just literally <laughs> just grabs the closest number. So there you go. Try this. Like 65, that sounds a bit much. Let's go with 45. Anchoring in a nutshell. That's literally what happens. That's it. You know, every episode we do, I just realize how stupid we are as a species. We are, but I guess the whole point of what we're trying to do here is actually give people the information so that they can then use it to improve the way that they understand what's going on and the way that they make decisions. Yeah, and sell more stuff. Well... Should we get to that bit? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, I think there's, there's a few really cool ways that we can use this. So, the first one we could talk about is any negotiating situation. And, you know, the, I think the conventional wisdom, if you're going into a salary negotiation or whatever, buying a house, whatever it is, there's always this idea that you want the other person to go first. You know, whoever says the number first loses. Mm. But it's also nice, a nice thing to do sometimes to give the other person. But also awkward, you know, it's awkward. And so I think, you know, off the back of today's episode, we can see there's going to be an anchor set. Someone's going to say something first and then all the other negotiations are going to take place as a result of that anchor. Or in I think reference I get to that what anchor. you're going to. So it's like, hey, if someone's going to set an anchor, I vote me. I get this now. What now? Why I suck at negotiating. Yeah. It's because I'm too nice. Too nice. Oh. Yeah. You just got to come in and make an obscene demand. You got to slam the door in someone's face with your demand. Your rates for doing this podcast are going to go up significantly. <laughs> What's four times zero? <laughs> <laughs> and so definitely, you know, it makes sense. Any negotiating situation, go in hard, go in strong. You set the anchor and let everybody else work around you. It also helps in terms of getting a sense of control over the situation because, like we said, somebody's going to set an anchor. Um, if you leave it up to the other person, you're working, you're playing their game from there. So negotiations from somebody who's not good at negotiations, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Definitely take advice from Mel about negotiating. <laughs> set the anchor first. Yeah. Got it. What else from a marketing perspective? So, I mean, like supermarkets do all sorts of wacky stuff with pricing and bundling and things like that. And anchoring can play a a really big role in how many of a product people will purchase. So there's been some really interesting studies that looked at advertising like rolls of paper. And when you look at things like four rolls of paper for $2 or 50 cents a roll, a significantly higher proportion of people will pick up the four rolls for $2, even though you can buy them as, as individuals because people have been anchored to think that four is the correct number of rolls of paper that you clearly need whoever you are in whatever house you happen to live in. Okay, so I think I've seen some research similar to that and it involved a supermarket selling Campbell's soup. Mm -hmm. So they had cans of soup, but they were on sale for 79 cents. It's a good deal. Yeah, you'd think. So what happens is they have shoppers go into the supermarket, they go through the soups, they see Campbell's soups on sale for 79 cents and people were purchasing an average of... 3.3 cans of soup. 
great. I, I've never bought a third of a can of soup. It's an average. Okay. That's how you get average numbers. Right, you do your fancy Let's, math stuff. You come back to me when you've worked out. Let's how to say they were buying on average three or four cans of soup. Got it. Make you happy? Yep. All right. Then what they did was they put a sign up, and the sign said there's a limit of 12 cans of soup Ooh, per customer. Yep. All of a sudden, what have they done? They've, oh, they've set an anchor. Anchor. They're anchoring people at 12. 12. Yep. And what they found was that when that sign was up, Shoppers purchased an average of seven cans of soup. <laughs> seven? They, up from three and a third. Up from three and a third. So they got anchored too. I love the, the visual of just watching somebody trying to pick up seven cans of soup at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of dropping them everywhere. And we've talked about anchoring, but in that sense, what it's also introducing is a little bit of a social proof as well, which we talked about in a previous episode, where when you see that sign, limit 12 per customer, you automatically think, Everybody is buying this soup, right? This is popular soup. So you're getting sold to both the social proof and the anchoring bias. Two wow. for one. All right, time two to for, wrap this up. Two for one heuristics <laughs> with a free trolley and cover. Time to wrap this up. Speaking of covers. Okay, let's wrap it up. Basically, anchoring whatever the first piece of information is that we see, we're going to place disproportionate value on it. So beware of the first numbers that you're exposing a customer to. And I guess that means as a brand, we've got to acknowledge that most of the time, some sort of an anchor is already going to exist. So we've got to decide where do we want to play relative to the market anchor? Do we want to come in super premium? Do we want to come in super cheap? Do we want to chip in around the edges? But acknowledge that there is already likely an anchor that our customers are working around. And on the off chance that there is not already an anchor, don't be afraid to go out and aggressively set one, uh, as you know, people like Apple always do. Cool. So that takes us, brings us to the end of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions or any comments for us, you can get us on social media. I'm at Dr. Mel W, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever. MySpace, IRC. Oh, God. And I'm uh, at Dan Monheit, D-A-N-M-O-N-H-E-I-T. You can get me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Google. And please join us next time where I will tell you about more of my bad purchasing decisions and I'll get Dan to maybe talk about some more reality TV shows. No, hey, can we do an on-air steak testing from your new barbecue? I thought you were going to ask if we could talk about the Kardashians We are not talking about the Kardashians. Never, ever, ever talking about the Kardashians. We'll talk about them one day. (laughs) 